Welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. Talking all things health, well-being and equality for LGBTQ plus communities of colour. So relax, listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. I have a fantastic new guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Sasha. Um, I'm a trans woman. Um, I study philosophy at UBA, and I guess I'm here to talk about my contributions to local trans activism, as well as my unique experiences as a trans person. When did you get involved in sort of your local trans activism? I guess it was kind of it was like a slow trawl in in a sense um, because it started with me having quite a large disconnect with the the trans community just in the sense that um before coming to uni and where i'm living now i didn't really have a lot of queer friends or people that were connected in the trans community and slowly as i got more involved with societies that are with the university as well as just mingling with other queer people and whatnot um it just kind of slowly went towards attending pro- uh, protests and whatnot attending uh queer meets um discussing politics at these meets and whatnot um as well as just helping out generally with the setting up of things so when it came to university how you, were you already did you feel like established and out as a queer person? I guess um, because a couple months before I because I went to uni the same year that uh, I left the boys school it was just after the summer um, I, I guess I came out to most people as um, gay um, for lack of better understanding with myself uh, so I was out to my family as queer per se but my realizations and interactions with my i guess interact not interactions but my um, realizations of like gender that didn't come until a little bit later into university i'd say did you feel the each coming out to be different in terms of people's reactions do you think coming out initially made it easier or do you think it was more accepting being gay rather than being trans i guess um it's a bit of a mixed bag um, because to my parents, coming out of gay as gay, because I, I have a very um, traditional Indian household in that sense, uh, and they uh, kind of ridiculed me for it. Um, I guess not uh, ridiculed per se, but they definitely didn't understand that their child could be anything of the sort because it's not something that they had prepared for. Um, but although I keep that in mind, their reaction was quite jarring because I, I remember when I started um, initially experimenting with wearing typically considered uh, more feminine clothing and my dad threatened to kick me out of the house. But later on, when I guess we had to talk about it, they, I guess, more or less forgot that they ever said that and just acted as if those things were fine but this acting of things were fine were only 
it was more them convincing them of, of things than them actually being okay with it. Um, my friends um, were wholly supportive though. I, I've done a good job in surrounding myself with people that genuinely care about me. Um, so I don't just need that gratification from my family. But in terms of uh, coming out as trans, um, that wasn't something I'd, I, I didn't realize that until a lot later on, because, um, I don't know, I was, I was just a very confused person, I guess. But my dad uh, very much holds the, um, the biological approach to gender and sex, which I guess for, for numerous reasons is reductionist and arguably very incorrect, of course. Um, but they they both of my parents now comply with the asking that they don't call me by my old name and whatnot and respect my pronouns but i'm not sure if it's coming from a place of feeling as though they have to or as they want to because although i can ask them to say these things uh, changing them ideologically is a lot harder to do but as when I, when i same story as when i came out as trans um um, all of my people in my personal life, like outside of my family, were absolutely loving. Sorry, I just uh, rambled a lot. No, no, no. Well, we're here to talk about you, and I'm glad that you're, you know, able to open up because at each stage of the process that you're talking about, I thought of so many different people that I know that have had a similar experience, like from someone yeah. with immigrant parents who have um, they've come out to, and they've the parents have e either just said no, or they have um, gone on to just act like it never happened. And then later when you were talking about, you know, using your name and pronouns, I thought of a different friend who, um, whose dad said to their uncle, oh, it's fine, just use it when they're around, but you don't have to when yeah. they're not here. And they're like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> that's really not the point because it is yeah. how you view me rather than what you're saying um, mm -hmm. around me. Because it's, like, it's the same thing as, being friendly to someone's face and then when they're gone acting a different way and talking badly about them even if there is love there you're not you know truly respecting them and listening to them personally and internally when did the distinction come about as i guess defining myself trans yeah rather than gay um i guess the me identifying myself as gay slowly kind of fell apart I, um it's it's difficult because um i guess i was out as non-binary for a, quite a short uh, moment of time before i realized i was trans because around a year ago i um i met up with a, another trans girl um and we just got on really really well um and they introduced me to because they clearly noticed that I was feeling rather like dysphoric about my more typically considered masculine traits. Like um, I had a lot of facial hair, I had quite a prominent brow and whatnot. I, I was quite hairy as an Indian person, but um, they introduced me to the whole, like not just online community, but like underground community for lack of a better uh, term of um, like, just transitioning and uh, DIY hormones and whatnot. Um, so I started taking estrogen around a year ago while still identifying as just non-binary. Um, I was quite in denial about the fact that um, I was trans for 
I would say a month or so into doing or taking estrogen but I guess that slowly kind of stopped being the case as soon as I realized that because this whole reason that I felt I couldn't be trans was because I felt I couldn't ever get to a point in which I could consider myself an air quotes typically acceptable trans which um as we can all probably agree is quite a harmful outlook to have because that there is no such thing as acceptable transness or anything as soon as you take away that idea that gender isn't socially constructed you it all kind of falls apart as roles um there is no extent to which someone can be trans because it's i feel that is kind of residual from the heteronormative thinking that people are kind of instilled with. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, please stop apologizing. Bloody queers and apologizing, honestly, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially queer women. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a painful loop and it's like, I've come, we've come together to speak about you and speak about your journey. And I can appreciate enough like you sharing that with us. Um, so let's continue talking about you. <laughs> let's go back. Awesome. To, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to the boys' school. Um, okay. Yeah, because you know, like I said, I actually went to a boys' school as well, despite being, um, you know, a cis cis ish woman um, <laughs> who, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, very much a girl and socialized as a girl, um, and it was, you know, it was an interesting experience for me. Um, and I I didn't really feel any alienation until you know like puberty hit. Boys started watching porn, um, yeah. and that was the only time I felt any you know weird distinction. Um, I think because like a lot of my friends had been boys previously, so it wasn't a massive yeah. massive shock straight away when I got there. Um, but as time passed, you know, and like I got my period and. Oh, the freakouts I had, like um, standing up at the end of the lesson every time, like checking my yeah. chair, because because obviously I would be the only one in that room who would be able to do that, and no one would understand. And even like in a mixed school, that would be you know mortifying at that age. Hmm. Um, now I'd laugh it off, but so for you, like as a like a a young trans woman who's not, not even doesn't even have the language, did you find did you find yourself alienated in any way? I would say absolutely yes. <laughs> um, I guess the main problem with boys' schools is that by creating this divide and separation, I feel like their aim is to make boys concentrate more on studies and whatnot. But I feel that it just kind of causes a lot of people in within these boys' schools to not understand both themselves and women as a whole and the whole like sexism culture was absolutely rife in that school there was a lot of um because of this um, uh, of course at the time it was unbeknownst to me that i was trans and whatnot um i i guess i was still at odds myself in terms of my sexuality but throughout that my uh, my time at windsor boys i largely did not like the person that i was whatsoever um i had so much inward resentment and lack of understanding 
that I aimed it completely outwards to other people, which was an entirely unfair thing for me to do. Um, I grew to be quite a disdainful and just kind of hurtful person uh, in terms of like how I would interact with others. Um, I would just actively go out of my way to just not be kind or just it's the um, it's the whole culture of like edginess in Windsor Boys as well or like just boys school in general you have this like social expectation to adhere to the idea of being a boy which is of course enforced by them through things like uniform strictness and you're not allowed long hair you aren't allowed earrings you aren't allowed anything um you have to fit into this cookie cutter parameter of being a man at these at the school and it drove me to near death it made me wildly wildly depressed and from like years nine to I want to say 12 I was just in a whole lack of understanding of politics and edginess phase I, I was just very not versed at all but after coming to terms with both my sexuality and the world around me I definitely simmered down a bit and since have apologized to most of the people I've interacted with interacting <laughs> um which they are um they were uh, decently well receptive of which i'm really happy because i'm a very 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 different person today i like to think than i was in uh in the boys school and um well i hope we all all are very different <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah around year 12 i guess i came out to a small circle of friends ish um but it wasn't like now I guess I was it was still a secret to me but um, yeah. year 13 is where it kind of developed into I I'm not like being mean to anyone I'm being actively nice whenever I can I really decided to work on myself as a person I started going to the doctors for my mental health problems um, and that largely helped with um, my ability to deal with the world around me um, and so in around year 13 sort of time, I was, I guess, out to a lot more people and then eventually out to my family. And uh, I started putting my name on Grinder this time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I guess um, that was when I started um, experimenting with um, just like feminine clothing. Because I, I thought that because I was a very typically masculine person, which is another thing that um, a lot of trans women do before they come out as trans. They last ditch effort, put all of their points into just being as masculine as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess especially. Yeah, I guess especially when you're trying to assimilate to like gay male culture. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you you want that acceptance somewhere, and you know the the standard is very strict. Um, in certain yeah. um, groups so yeah it's understandable yeah uh, absolutely and um, I guess once I started experimenting with more feminine clothing changing to not trying to appear masculine but 
going like wholly for that androgynous look. Um, I grew out my hair. Uh, I guess I started growing out my hair a while before that because I was in like a hippie phase, but um, <laughs> I started growing out my hair. I started um, plucking my eyebrows and whatnot. Started doing eyeliner. Um, yeah, I just started doing all that kind of stuff. And I guess talking to trans people around me and uh, talking about how I feel. Because the concept of femininity, I guess, resonated with me. But I didn't understand where I fit in that kind of archetype of femininity and masculinity. So it took a while for me to get my bearings in that sense. Because um, I came out as non-binary after experimenting with the feminine clothing. And then when I went to university, um, I, I guess I said earlier, um, it definitely helped with coming out, but also helped with unlearning a lot of the stuff that was drilled into my head by my parents, um, as, as well as the boys' school, because in order for a boys' school to exist, there is an inherent acceptance on the boys' school part that you are creating and perpetuating this social role of boys and girls, which I guess works for the majority of people, but a lot of people don't see how that can be very, very damaging to a lot of people. And even though that's a minority, it's still something that happens because these are people, not just numbers. I feel it needs to be accounted for. Yeah, well, even um, amongst, you yeah. know, like even amongst cis boys, to have this rigid idea of what a boy is and not be able to, yeah, not be able to skew away from that is it is damaging because you know and I think sometimes you know there is talk about this oh, gender confusion um and mm -hmm. boys boys wearing dresses th think they're women and it's like well yeah may maybe that might happen because <laughs> they're told that they can't be a boy wearing a dress but the more yeah um, so it, it's it's strange to hear that the same people argue that trans women aren't women, but also argue that boys can't be in dresses because it's then then what then what are people if they're not not yeah, like these rigid exactly. modern ideas of mm. man and woman and nothing else? Yeah, so, yeah well and truly, it, it definitely didn't help because um, the area this boys' school in it's a very um, it's it's quite a conservative Tory area. Um, a lot of the people attending would have parents who are Tories, and I guess their views when they were younger would be derivative of their parents. It's, um, as well as the um, the kind of stereotype in the boys' school of this um, importance uh, placed on objective scientific studies in the boys' school. Like, um, there was a lot of importance placed on things like math, science, and I guess lit uh, literary English studies and stuff like that, um, which I'd say definitely contributed to the culture of not, I guess, understanding culture itself. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, or cultural norms that are socially constructed. Because I guess to the to the objective scientific mind, there is no such thing as social social dependent things it's all binary and factual yeah and something with like boys schools as well well at least in uh, what sounds like both our experiences um is that the competitive nature or well 
is it nature the competitive drive that they really force yeah. into people is is actually i i think really unhealthy because like you say it, it's in the academics and it's in the sport as well and we had games and pe so two different pe sessions multiple times a week and it you know the whole terms were kind of structured around which sport is being played and yeah. it was really at the heart of everything and they made everything competitive and then mm. of course that kind of can translate so easily to aggression yeah yeah some this like competitive um atmosphere that they nurture actively um i guess is of course it's so unhealthy and it it doesn't view students holistically and it causes them to have massive issues with their self-worth because they feel as though their worth is tied to a grade which of course isn't true but this competitiveness i guess if i were to uh, just shoot an observation out there i guess shoot since away. this school this school is a an extension of the state and i guess would inherently act on the state's interests and not against because I guess the whole objective that they're trying to instill in these students is that you're, once you are done with your A-levels and get good grades, you go on to do university and get a job and whatnot. It's very, like, um, school is not human-centric. It's very much so job-centric. It's the education system is entirely intertwined with capital in that sense so has to take care of those um, concerns before it takes care of the concerns of the actual students that teach which of course is awful yeah and <laughs> i you know what i would go i'd go on to argue that it's not even job centric it's very much the sort of next the about the next form of education that's mm. well, that's what the focus is really on because i didn't think yeah. about the real world application of anything and there was no time where I was you know given that example and yeah like I had other friends who were doing work experience as part of their school we, and we never had any of that because it was so focused on the academic side of it and because yeah. you know with those academic circles comes the inherent elitism that we see in universities um, and all the ideas that are kind of circulated in universities staying amongst university um lecturers and the researchers and you know the different levels of academics and not going on to benefit the wider society and I think that's really yeah I think it's yeah. really prominent absolutely absolutely um, it's very conveyor belt to the next thing and yeah this whole I guess I want to say it, it's it's I guess it is a, an ex, a form of indoctrination of just obedience and ability to do difficult things which i personally don't think is what humans are geared towards doing i don't feel like the objective of one's existence is to just like slave away at this like prospect of having to contribute to society in like a monetary sense i guess um, of course, it's definitely important to contribute to society, but I guess since our society is foundationally corrupt in that way, it's 
yeah, it's um, it's quite difficult. I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was valuable what you had to say. Um, I'm I'm curious how you you found sort of race and um, gender intertwining, and if that had any any sort of impact on your coming out or realization. I would say that race and gender is one of those things that I guess a lot of people don't talk about because the, I guess it ties back into this idea of becoming acceptably trans um, in appearance and uh, passing, which I hold the opinion that that quite, can be quite a damaging thing to um, uphold. But these beauty norms on which these uh, these trans beauty norms are being based are entirely local to like the westernized concept of beauty and since i as a uh, a brown girl didn't fit into that idea of what considers like a white person to be beautiful i felt that my femininity was very much so in question because uh, i don't have the same uh, facial proportions um, to some degree as uh, the average white person in that sense um, but since I didn't I felt it was very hard to it was very hard to adhere to this perceived beauty standard because it was a beauty standard that um, which trans people are being held to are based on heteronormative beauty um, standards which are intertwined with this whole western mass-produced beauty idea with like modeling and objective beauty and such and uh, just beauty standards in general and since i didn't fit that archetype so specifically uh, and i had things like thick eyebrows like indian people do and i had um things like facial hair even things like facial hair although i have like stu uh, stubble and like five o'clock shadow, I definitely now feel more affirmed in my identity as a trans woman than I did before. Um, not because of the facial hair, of course, but because I realized that the facial hair has nothing to do with anything. Because <laughs> I, I guess it would have come in a lot earlier for me, because um, I guess it tends to for Indian people. The um, This idea that facial hair isn't a trait that a woman have is inherently complicit in that um, a heteronormative um, ideology that's being enforced by these beauty standards. Yeah, my, my brother, he came back from Ghana, where so my mum is half Jamaican, half Ghanaian, and my brother came back and he was like, just so you know, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have some more chin hair than you've got already <laughs> mm. <laughs> i don't know if i should keep that in or not if he'll get mad at me for exposing <laughs> you know what in fact in fact i was plucking out my chin hair <laughs> and he he said to me you've got more coming basically <laughs> so it wasn't a completely um uh, unfounded comment <laughs> i think it was basically saying quit while you're ahead or give up now <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know like yeah. yeah i think yeah different ethnicities have you know diff different hair levels and mm. they, they form in different ways and you know we could start talking about noses 
for hours yeah. but oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem let's yeah but we've actually come to the end and it's it's i i i feel like i could have spoken to you for ages it feels like it's just been five minutes yeah it has hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us and maybe we'll have you back to talk about your activism actually <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm happy to be honest. thank you so much for having me thank you it's lovely speaking to you um and thank you everyone for listening goodbye Thanks, guys <laughs> goodbye <laughs>